0: Plays, hammering away at the clock right now. And Richardson breaks free on the sideline. End zone. How about that? Finally, a touchdown between these two.
1: What is up, Football Nation? My name is Steve Bennett, and I am the host of the Football Nation Presents the Sportscasters Podcast. My co-host is Don Ross. What's up, Don? Hey, how's it going? It is episode three, April 17th, 2012. We are coming to you from Buffalo, New York. We are two hours away from the release of the NFL schedule, and we are about two days and a week away from the NFL draft In New York. So we're inching closer and closer to the the lull between the draft (laughs) and uh, camp. You know, we're getting closer to the dead spot there. So uh, I'm not looking forward to that. But um, we're really excited to have you guys back. It's the third show. First one was two weeks ago. We had Peter King on. We have to thank our guest from last week, our good buddy Dave Damoshek, who was uh, really cool, fun to be on, kind of stirred stuff up a little bit in the football nation. Uh, Some people were a little frustrated by his comments comparing the bounty scandal to the Spygate Spygate, scandal, which is pretty interesting to see some of the opinions there, and we appreciated that. Uh, This week we have uh, an interesting perspective on the draft stuff. We have an interview with Dan Shonka, who is the head of a website called Our Lads, which is a scouting service that basically is probably best known for having really kick-ass depth charts. Uh, Their depth charts are kind of linked up to the actual depth charts, the official depth charts in the NFL teams. And if you look at their website right now, which is OurLads.com, you'll see they have all kinds of pictures of NFL teams draft tables with printouts of their Packets and depth charts and stuff. So it's a really kind of inside football kind of a site. And they have all kinds of great resources. And we're going to talk to Dan about the draft. We're going to talk to him about some of the players. We're going to talk to him about some of the teams. And uh, I did the interview earlier, and it turned out really good. I think you guys will enjoy it. Uh, Again, it's the Sportscasters and Football Nation, www.footballnation.com. And our website, www.sportscasters.com. Uh, one thing that we'd like to see maybe a little bit more of is some emails. Uh, don't, don't be afraid to email us. Let us know what you think. We did get some good opinions, uh, like I said, on the uh, page of the podcast, and we appreciated that. But don't be afraid to email us at sportscasters at gmail.com, and I'll give you that at the end of the show as well. But let's get this show started uh, with something we do each week called Three Things.
0: Let's play a game. All right.
1: Count of three. One. Alrighty, I'll take it off. Two. The oil patterns on a PBA lane are very, very difficult. Three. I might be able to beat Jamarcus Russell at quarterback.
0: (laughs) This is the funnest night ever! We just become best friends, yup!
1: Now let's move on to other business.
2: Alright, the NFL Competition Committee is meeting again as they do every year. And they're discussing the elimination of kickoffs. Uh, this is further further evidence of their looking to get all <laughs> head injuries out of, right. out it's of the It's a safety game. issue. It's a safety issue. Right. Uh, so, I guess basically, what would be your thoughts? I don't think there's very much out about what they would do instead. This is very pre- preliminary. But uh, I was trying to weigh the pros and cons of not having a kickoff.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't love it. I mean... There is the aspect of with the with the rule last year. There were so many touchbacks that you wonder would we really be missing much. But it seems like just such a radical change to the game that, I mean, would the alternative be you just put the ball on the twenty and go? I mean, is that is that the alternative? What what? Yeah, man, I know they haven't gotten far with this, but what what would be the most obvious choice to replace it? How yeah, would that would be played?
2: that would be my guess, something along those lines. But put the ball at the twenty-yard yeah, line. And... The pros I had were it was it's an exciting play, and from a player's perspective, this is jobs that you're talking right. about. Uh, some second and third string players that might be what keeps them on a football team. Uh, yeah, the
1: Saints just invested some money into Courtney Roby yesterday. I mean, that's not a guy the Turner, that they right. sign without kickoff returns.
2: Right. Uh, the cons obviously being the injuries, and I just said. Employ second and third stringers, but some people might see it as a con that a lot of games are decided by second and third stringers when your quarterback and your best defensive players are not even on the field. Uh, And uh, from a Homer perspective, it might kill Steve Tasker's hall of fame chances. If there's no longer a special teams, then
1: right. That's an interesting perspective.
2: The the questions I would have, and I've seen this discussed on message boards is uh, what, if you don't have kickoffs, can you still onside kick? I mean, that's about the most dangerous play there is. You've got people just running full speed at each other. And if not, then if you have a two- or three-score lead with three minutes left, it's game over.
1: You know, there might be a a provision where, you know, in the fourth quarter after scores you can attempt onside kicks or something like that. But that takes away the surprise onside kick. And, of course, being a Saints fan, you know, one of the biggest plays in franchise history was the surprise onside kick that the Saints had to start the second half of the Super Bowl a few I years mean, ago?
2: That's one of the ballsiest plays in the history of football, much less the Saints, and that would
1: be eliminated, I, I believe. Right? Yeah. That I think it. Look, at improving player safety is great, but I think they it seems like they did enough to improve player safety by, you know, the rule that they, the adjustment of moving the ball back and all the touchbacks and. You know I don't know I don't have the statistics on how many more or less injuries there were but you, it, common sense just says when all they do is kick the ball and watch you go out of the back of the stands 45 50 percent of the time or up to, I think it was close to 60 percent of the time it's going to be less injuries so I think they've done enough I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to see this actually happen they've
2: done a good job and a decent job of getting rid of injuries some people might think they've overreacted but I mean I'm sure we'll talk on our other podcast about how hockey is the total opposite and they're totally underreacting the to injuries and stuff like that. So football football is at the very least uh, a sport doing what it can to take out the injuries that are unnecessary.
1: You know, and they have to because I think I saw a stat last night about how there's over one thousand civil suits against the league um, in terms the of NFL yeah, yeah from head injuries and, and former may- players m-
2: maybe that's all it is it might be right nice to say like oh they're doing the right thing but it might be just a covering their ass type
1: thing and it, and, and doing their due diligence and exploring every potential option to improve player safety
2: the percentage of kickoffs reaching the end zone was up 39.6 percent last year yeah so, so that so
1: you took away 39.9 percent of injury potential on kickoffs last year in one year. Yep. So why not give that another year and see? Sure. That would be my, my suggestion. All right. My first thing, uh, you know, when Sean Payton appealed his suspension, uh, one of the reasons he said he was going to do it is because he wanted to be in front of the commissioner one more time to get a greater understanding for <laughs> the parameters of his suspension. And I guess a story came out today, Adam Schefter reported this on ESPN, that they're going to be very, very clear about what he can and can't do. And basically, he can't do anything. Uh, The terms of his uh, season-long suspension uh, for his role in the Bounty Program is that he is not allowed to have any contact with the Saints organization or anyone around the NFL. And if he does, he must report it to league executive Ray Anderson. And again, that's a report from Adam Schefter. Uh, His suspension begins Monday, and basically what it means is he's cut off from every Saints employee and any coaching friend he has around the league until the day after the Super Bowl when his suspension is scheduled to end. So, you know, it's weird because uh, Peyton and Loomis, they live about a mile apart in in New Orleans during the year, so I guess if they're walking the dogs and they cross paths, Peyton's going to have to get the cell phone out and call Mr. Anderson and let him know. It's just such a weird, you know, thing. I did hear the commissioner say he's not going to, Monitor tap phones or anything, but basically, the Saints now do have some incentive to follow the rules. In the sense that the commissioner has said, if the rules are followed closely, they would consider lessening some of the financial hit to Peyton and also consider not taking away a second round pick in next year's draft.
2: I mean, you, you said, I mean, joking around, that he's what if he walks his dog in season, but it's he's a reality. Gonna, it's he's going to go city. out of his way. To make sure he doesn't, he's going to be a choir boy about it. It's going right? to have to be. no He reason, has to be. I mean, even though the commissioner said that he's not going to monitor this, and the off chance that he does happen to see somebody or find a phone bill or something like that,
1: that the penalty would be severe. I'd imagine. Right. You know, and he can't. He can't afford for his career for this to go any further. He needs to begin to be putting this behind him and moving forward because right now the organization is going to stick with them. You right. know, they've the plans that they've put in place with Joe Vitt being named, you know, the interim coach despite the fact that he has to serve a six-week suspension, which means they're going to have to have an interim-interim coach. You know, they're doing that for Peyton and for the way Peyton has created a culture in New Orleans, and I don't think he can afford to be making any more mistakes or that support might go away real quick. Uh, another note from today in this story is just that, uh, Drew Brees said that there's no progress with the NHL or the NFL Players Association and the league as far as suspensions for the for the players that might, you know, be involved in all right. of this. Uh, so again, still a mess.
2: Like my first first thing today, this is probably more to do with covering themselves a little bit. They don't want to go lenient on a guy that allowed the bounty system to be in a league where there's guys filing lawsuits. So, unfortunately for him, uh, he's You want to be the whipping boy for this. Yep. Um, I just want to chime in real quick about the first point I had because the site I got the stat off is a little bit strangely worded. When I said kickoffs are up 39, kickoffs reaching the end zone are up 39.6%, that's kind of weirdly worded on this site. I don't want any stat nerds uh, coming after me. Kickoffs that reached the end zone went up 39.6% from 46.0 to 85.6%. So, really, it almost went up 100% more than it was previously. 85.6% of kickoffs reach the end zone. Okay. 50% of them are touchbacks compared to 21% the previous year. So, it's even higher. So, a drastic difference. Yes. Okay, my second thing today, Trent Richardson. Uh, We're going to hear about him later on in the interview, but it seems like a good guy. The... Alabama star and the top running back prospect in the draft, recently did a good deed. He took a cancer survivor to a prom. Uh, The athlete donned his finest white tux to accompany 17-year-old Courtney Elvis to the Hueytown High School, Alabama event. Uh, She was previously diagnosed with leukemia, currently undergoes chemo, um, and she hadn't even been sure if she wanted to go to prom until her night in shining armor Arrived in the form of Richardson. This is all from MSN Now. That's and, great. Yeah, so good guy. Uh, looks good before the draft. It, you pay a lot of money for these early round draft picks. It's nice to know that at least this guy had a seemingly good character, unless it was just a PR move, but that's just putting a negative light on it. But uh, no, he seems like a good guy. Everything we hear from, we'll hear later on, talks about how he's a good guy. And it said it might have been a special night for both of them since Richardson never got to attend his own prom. So. It's a cool story. We talked a lot about some of the negative aspects of the NFL last week and probably the week prior, previous, and we'll probably have more of that <laughs> in the future, so it's nice to hear the nice stories come out.
1: Absolutely. Uh, this is a good news, bad news story, my second thing here. Bad news for Minnesota, but maybe good news for Buffalo. You know, Everyone here in Buffalo is always so paranoid, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago with Peter King, that they might be the team that eventually is taken away from Buffalo right. and moved to L.A., And there's always been this kind of list of teams that potentially could end up there. And Minnesota has been a team on that list because of their stadium situation. Last year, they were kind of taken off the list because it seemed like the team had secured the funds to build a stadium uh, in downtown Minneapolis. Well, last night, a Minnesota House committee voted down the Viking Stadium bill, uh, dealing a major blow to the team's decade-long effort to secure a decade-long effort to secure taxpayer subsidy for replacement of the Metro Dome. Uh, they only got six votes. Nine people voted against it. Um, there was a four-hour hearing, and it makes it unlikely that the bill could be revived in the, re- in the remaining weeks of the session, which is expected to wrap up before April. So that looks like it's dead. They're going to have to find a new way to raise the money for the stadium and If they can't, all that means is they're going to be back in the pool of teams and cities that have to worry about Uh, whether or not they're going to be the one taken away to Los Angeles. Because we know at some point, while Commissioner Goodell is the commissioner of this league, he's going to get a team in L.A.
2: Yeah, I don't know enough about the business side of, of football to understand. I mean, I know football teams. I've heard in the past somebody say something like the only reason not to own an NFL team is because you can't afford to buy an NFL team. Because NFL teams, even teams like Jacksonville who get picked on for their attendance, they all make tons and tons of money because of the real television TV deals. Yep. Right. So I'm not sure how that works with a stadium. I know stadiums can well, what cost they taxpayers wanted to a lot do, of dollars. And, what
1: they wanted to do is split it three ways: 300 million, $398 million from the state from taxes and an expanded gambling program. $150 million from the city of Minneapolis from existing sales taxes and $427 million from the Vikings with assistance from the National Football League. Yeah, I mean... So they're going to have to find a way to make up that $150 million from the city. Right, I'm, That's what they've lost out on. I'm sure local businesses around that
2: area would love to have a new stadium. But if you live in like a rural area of Minnesota, why do you want your taxes to go up to pay for a stadium? It doesn't
1: benefit you at all. They have to figure out how to get those people on board with these plans. Right, and they, one of the representatives said, how do we, as representatives of public taxpayers, how do we know we're getting a good deal? Right. You know, you and no that, there's just too many unknowns, so... Back to the drawing board for the Vikings and their stadium. Right, my last thing this
2: week is a little bit open ended as of this second, but the NFL schedule is going to come out at seven o'clock today. And I guess just real simply, what what do you look forward to on schedule day?
1: Well, I know the very first thing I do when I look at the Saints schedule is I look for night games. Right. You know, I I, I want to know when the Saints are going to be playing on national TV. You know, I assume that one of their Atlanta games each year is usually on national TV. They have a game against the Packers this year that could certainly sure. end up on TV. I think I seen a schedule that was represented as a potential leak and the Saints had three night games. That'd be great. You know, that's something I look at. The second thing I usually look at is the bills. Because I lo- live in Buffalo, I wonder when are the Bills going to? Are they going to host any Monday night right. games? Right. Every night team games? is
2: guaranteed a night game this doesn't year, mean not it's necessarily a home, at home one. Right. Right.
1: Because each team will play at least
2: one game on Thursday night. Right. The Bills' home schedule, from a fan perspective, looks great because it doesn't look like an overly difficult schedule. Like if they want to be a serious playoff team this year, they better go seven and one or six and two at home. Their schedule looks, on paper, that easy. And I know teams change quickly and things can change, but it looks pretty easy. That said. I don't know what teams of those you'd want to watch in a night game. If you're the national media, do you really want to watch Buffalo, Tennessee at night? I mean, maybe. I, I don't know. What, so I'm guessing that's Bill's Patriots. But, again, is that in Boston or is that going to be a home game here?
1: That That's interesting to look at. Uh, with, I also like to know what's going on Thanksgiving. You sure, know, I know yeah. I'm going to be watching football all day. I'm interested who the Lions are playing, who the Cowboys are going to play. You know, wonder about the night game on the NFL Network, which I think is switched now to NBC. It's not going to be on the NFL Network anymore. Um, what else with the schedule? Oh, I want to know where Peyton Manning's gonna when I'm gonna yeah, play that true. first week. You that's know, true. where's Peyton and Denver going to be the first week? Because I have a feeling they're going to find that to a national broadcast, whether it's the the Monday Night Football doubleheader or the Sunday Night game. We already know it's Giants and Cowboys on the Thursday night game. So. Right, I mean,
2: that, in the NFL schedule in general now, the way it is, like that rotational schedule, and you always play against, like, the if you finish in last, you play against a team that finish in last. I mean, there's only really two random games in the whole schedule, so it's really just about finding when these games are played and where and when during the season, and when's your bye week, I guess. I don't. I guess that's a talking point for some teams, too, is your bye week too early, is your bye week too late. I, I don't put a lot of too much thought into that. I guess you can avoid injuries or can recover more if it's later in the season. But.
1: I'm just looking at SaintsReport.com right now, and uh, you know all kinds of stuff is kind of slowly leaking out. Yeah, you know, there's a rumor that the Saints are hosting a night game on November 5th. There was a rumor that the Saints were supposed to play the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. I guess that that's false because the Saints apparently host uh, a game. Um, it looks like uh, the home games for the Saints are going to be on September 9th, 23rd, October 7th, November 5th, 11th, 25th. December 16th and 30th. So stuff is leaking out. I mean, and anyway, by the time you hear this, the whole thing is going to sure. be out. Yep. So there's no reason to really talk about leaks. But yeah, I mean, schedules, it's fun. It's fun to look at. Sure. Yeah. All right. My uh, third thing this week is kind of an interesting thing. Uh, Eric Berry, who's a stud safety for the Chiefs, came out today saying that he's wondering whether the Bills were out to hurt him in the season opener and whether a deliberately low block resulted in his season-ending knee injury. Uh, he won't. He knows better than to say what he's really thinking, but instead he told people to watch the video of the block and make your own opinion. That's according to a story on ESPN.com. I, I'm a biased Bills fan, uh, but I'd like to believe
2: that even if I weren't, my number one question would be why now? Why, why wait till after the Bounty Gate scandal comes out to say anything to the league if you really thought something was done.
1: Well, I guess he tweeted. He said, sometimes I sit and wonder if they had a bounty out on me. Oh, well, who cares? Either way, you can't hold me down. Well, if it's who cares, why bring it up? <laughs> right. It's just it's odd timing. And
2: we've said in the past that the Saints are probably a whipping boy. This is probably going on in other teams. Maybe it's going on in Buffalo. Uh, nobody's come out and said it is after Greg Williams was gone but just the timing of it is very odd the target is very odd too I mean I guess it's the team that, that hurt him obviously so he's not going to blame somebody else for doing it right. but why would the Bills want to take out the
1: safety of the Chiefs uh, How does? I, I don't understand how that I find it to be very unlikely But I wonder, you know, in the light of the bounty scandal, if one thing that's going to come out is if every injured player is every person who was injured in the last few years sitting down now and thinking and looking back at that play where they were injured and wondering you know, was I the subject of a bounty that day? Who knows? And maybe it's a road that is better left not traveled. You know, because it's like he said, sort of it's in the past, right? I mean there's nothing you can do about it now. I guess even if it what is he hoping to
2: accomplish by saying it, I guess, would be my... What's his motive behind it at this point? Uh, I think he's just venting on Twitter. Yeah, maybe he was frustrated. You know, it's one of those that, things
1: though. where Twitter is the best thing that happened to athletes and the worst thing to yeah. happen. You know, it's like step away from the Twitter. Can he face...
2: Any trouble? I mean, maybe. Gonna, I mean, you're not allowed to criticize officials. You're not allowed to tweet during games. They're pretty tough about. I what mean, you he kept can it pretty do. vague, I guess. Right. You know, he
1: didn't come out and say it. He basically said to make your own opinion. Right. So I doubt he'll face any trouble, but it's interesting. It, it, yeah, and it's I wonder, an interesting
2: precedent after the, all the Bounty Gate stuff. Came I out. wonder how much of this we'll see.
1: All right, so that's it for three things. What we're going to do is we're going to take a really short break, and we're going to come back with Dan Shanka from Arlaetz.com. Our guest today is from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and is a graduate of the University of Iowa. He has spent the last 39 years involved in player personnel work. He has scouted for National Football Scouting, Philadelphia Eagles, Washington Redskins, Kansas City Chiefs, and the Philadelphia Stars of the USFL. He is the author of a book for football players and coaches called Do It to Win, and has edited a collection of motivational material called A Coach's Handbook of Motivational Messages. From 1988 to 1997, with the help of his wife Peggy, he published Dan and Peggy's college football preview. He has coached the game, recruited high school athletes for major college football programs, and scouted professionally. In 2004, again with the help of his wife, he took the responsibility of continuing the largest independent NFL scouting services, our lad's NFL scouting service. A warm sportscasters welcome to the great Dan Shanka. How are you doing today, Dan?
0: I'm doing great, guys. Yeah, I tell you, we're on a fast downhill roll out of that NFL draft that everybody's excited about. So, you know, we've got, what, about uh, eight or nine days, yeah. and uh, we're going to know who's going to get picked.
1: Well, you know, it seems like it's pretty easy to kind of forecast those first two picks, right? In some way, it's going to be luck in RG3. One one way or another, one, you know, one of those guys is going to go one, one of them goes going to go two. Then it really seems to get interesting. Let's start with the Vikings. Is Matt Khalil the pick there? Would they rather not make a pick? Uh, what do you get the feel of on the Vikings? And tell us a little bit about Matt Khalil, if you think he is the pick.
0: Yeah, i tell you what. I think without a question, he should be the pick there because you don't take a first-round uh, quarterback the year before and not have some protection up front. So I think that uh, you know Khalil in my mind in our organization's mind is the the best pick for the vikings you know they could use a corner you know clay would be a uh, guy that they could really use there but left tackles those big guys with long arms uh that are very athletic they have to uh take precedence over um you know, any uh, other position right now. They got their quarterback, but now they need a uh, somebody to protect them.
1: You know, it seems like another spot where the draft is really, really interesting is Ryan Tannehill. seems like he's a guy who has really skyrocketed up uh, the charts in the last couple of weeks. Um, and it seems like he kind of is the, the chip in the draft that will really go to stir the trades and things like that now where do you who do you think is most interested in Hill, and why do you think he's skyrocketed so much in the last few weeks
0: you know i don't know that he's skyrocketed um to the teams i know he's skyrocketed with some media people which you know the people that are kind of i call them herd followers they're in the herd and they kind of follow that but uh Frankly, Canning Hill is a second round draft choice. That's what he is. And uh, he's 0 for 7 against uh, winning programs. Uh, he's only played, uh, you know, basically uh, 15 games or so as a starting quarterback. Uh, he, you know, he, he, he really, his anticipation and, and decision making is off. Um, and he played with some guys that were very good. I mean, they have one of the best offensive lines, the Texas A&M, they've had in years. They've got uh, a couple capable receivers. Fuller did not have a great year this year um, uh, to his standards, but actually statistically it was as good as it was his junior year when everybody was raving about him being a, a great you know NFL receiver. Uh, and, and so, you know, there's some things out there that um, uh, really you have to question on Tannehill teams that are interested I, I got I can't believe Cleveland is I think that's a smoke screen Miami is because they had his coach but uh Mike Sherman but you know I, I just uh I just can't um I, I I just think this guy is a developmental quarterback and uh, he doesn't have the skills uh as, you know guys like uh uh Ponder or Luck last year um so to have him move up that far up I think is uh, really scary, to be
1: honest with you. Very interesting. You know, another player who I think creates a lot of debate and and one where it doesn't seem like anyone's really settled on is the defensive tackle from Memphis, uh, Don Terry Poe. It seems like some people are really high on him as a prospect. Other people think he was kind of a workout wonder. Uh, What what does our lads think about Poe and where do you think is the proper spot for him in this draft?
0: Well, I think this, that uh, Poe is a gold medal workout guy, but a bronze medalist player. He played in a weak conference, the USA Conference. Uh, you know, doesn't have a lot of strong offensive linemen. It's not like he played in the SEC or the uh, Big Ten, where you know there's dominant offensive linemen. And uh, you know, he he, he did. He he should have been at his size and athletic ability. He should have been picking up offensive linemen and throwing them. You know, at uh, running backs. So, uh, you know, but the thing is, you know, God only makes so many big uh, linemen that, are that fast. Now, um, and, and you know, this is almost hard to believe, but some in, when a guy's in college, but there's guys that don't know how to play the game. I mean, he he, I'm sure he was plotted by his coaches, but. Hey, you got to play hard every time. And we got those kind of gifts. you got to be explosive. He's not explosive. He's not a fast-twitch guy. Defensive line, you've got to be quick, fast-twitch. Uh, you know, you, you deliver a blow, you release, you sprint to the ball, uh, you work your way through traffic. Um, you know, you've you got to be instinctive. And, uh, you know, in a straight line, this guy's pretty good. But uh, I tell you, he was not very productive over his career. You know, and, and this competition level was not very good. So that really, you know, gives you a lot of concern. But, you know, I think that probably later in the first round, some team may take him uh, because of, you know, quote, potential. But I hate using that word because to me, potential means you haven't done it.
1: You know, there's always great players that come out of the SEC. In the last few years, there's been a really a, a large amount of running backs that have come out of the the SEC. I mean, Foster was a little bit under the radar coming out of the SEC. Obviously, he didn't have the the great senior season that he had hoped at Tennessee. But then there's Ingram, who was the Heisman Trophy winner from Alabama. And he has a teammate in the draft this year, Trent Richardson, who he played with at Alabama. Can you compare the two? Who who do you think is going to be a better pro? And tell us a little bit about Richardson.
0: Well, I'll tell you, Trent Richardson uh, actually – when he was at Alabama at the same time the Mark Ingram was, the people in Alabama uh, that really saw both guys play week in and week out, day in and day out, uh, they all said that uh, Richardson was the better player. And uh, of the two, even even the year that Ingram won the Heisman, um, I mean, he was featured more because he was uh, a, a class up, you know, from uh, Richardson, but but uh, Richardson, a uh, very powerful man. Um, you know, he kind of looks like the Incredible Hulk, but just a little bit shorter because he's in the 5'9 range, 225 pounds. But, I mean, he is, could be the cover boy for, you know, Muscle Magazine, well-built guy, very powerful, uh, lower body. And that's what you look at in a running back, the power in their lower body, their hips, their legs. And uh, he's got that. He's got good speed. He's got acceleration. He can step through tackles. Um, He steps over bodies, uh, you know, works his way through traffic really well. Excellent vision, Um, and he actually catches the ball better than than people think. They didn't throw the ball a lot to their backs there, but he he actually uh, can catch the ball okay. (laughs) Excuse me. But anyway, he's um, a good football player, and, uh, you know, if, if you had to take the two in the same draft, Richardson would be drafted ahead of him.
1: You know, a few year, a few drafts ago, the Browns passed on Adrian Peterson. He ended up going seven to the Vikings. Can they pass on Richardson this time if he's there at number four?
0: I don't think so because, first of all, Colt McCoy needs some help. You know, uh, you can throw these guys under the bus, but Colt McCoy is a very smart, hard-working – he has all the things you're looking for in an NFL quarterback. Um, you know, he's got he, to get a chance to develop, though. I mean, he's a little bit shorter than ideal, but, hey uh, – you know, um, Drew Brees. Hey, Drew Brees, if if uh, you wonder if San Diego, if they knew what they knew now about Drew Brees, would well, they even drafted Rivers? Um, you know, Rivers is a heck of a quarterback and uh, and Brees is uh, you know, one of the top five and probably in the league right now. So uh the same thing that, you know, you're looking at McCoy that uh, he needs a chance to develop, he needs receivers around him. Um, hey, no quarterback is going to be able to be a great quarterback unless he's got pass protection up front, he's got a running game, and he's got receivers. And uh, if they can get Richard, if Browns will draft Richardson at four, that's really going to take a lot of pressure off of uh, Colt McCoy. And, um, you know, maybe uh, Colt McCoy is just going to be a great number two quarterback backup but you know what, we'll never know unless uh, you give him the opportunity with some weapons around it.
1: You know, another team that I think in this draft is going to really be looking for weapons for their young quarterback is the Rams. And they made the big trade moving uh, from 2 to 6 and getting a couple extra first-rounders, extra second-rounders. Really a great trade, I thought, for them. Um, it seemed like when people were mocking the draft and had St. Louis at number 2, the, the name that I saw attached to them the most was Justin Blackman. With them at six, it seems like the name I see attached to them the most is still Justin Blackman. Can they really pull off this coup of making this great trade, adding all those picks, and still getting the guy that can help their quarterback the most?
0: Yeah, absolutely, because I think you're looking at really six, blue chip, um, you know, and I'd have to throw DeCastro in there. That would be seven, but but let's just say the, the six top players in this draft, um, sixth would be Blackman, okay? And uh, so, you, you know, you talk about the two quarterbacks are going, then you got a running back, and you got a left tackle, then you got a great corner. So, you know, Blackman would be sixth in that bunch. So, hey, they're picking sixth. He'll be there. And I know that Cleveland at four, that's one of the guys they talk about. But Trent Richardson... When you put both those guys on the board, you'd have to take Richardson, you know. Um, so, but anyway, uh, I, but yes, but to answer your question, they could, uh, you know, have their cake and eat it too by getting draft picks and getting a guy to really help Sam Bradford out.
1: That's incredible. Hey, you know, a team that's had a great off season and has really been building momentum since the draft last year is the Buffalo Bills. And like you said, it seems like they're six... Really top players here, and then there's a little bit of a drop off. You probably wouldn't want to be Jacksonville at seven, but if you're a team like the Bills at the bottom of the top ten, you've done a great job adding parts to your defense during the off season. Probably want to look to add maybe an offensive lineman, uh, maybe even a linebacker. Who's who's going to be available for the Bills around ten, and who do you think is the best fit for them?
0: Well. You- I think uh, first of all they got to get a, a left tackle now. Riley Reef may be there. Steph C of Miami does something like take Tannehill at their pick, but because we've got Reef going into Miami, we actually got Tannehill going the second round to Miami. But but anyway, I think they're they've got to get you know they lost. Um, the big tackle to uh, uh, Philadelphia, Demetrius. And uh, so they've got to get a left tackle. They've got to get some protection uh, for Fitzpatrick in there. So I think that um, uh, one way or another, now what they might do, I could see Buffalo actually trading down and, you know, going for a tackle like uh, Cordy Glenn, for instance, the big long-arm tackle from uh, Georgia Georgia. and – yeah, uh, I tell you what, Buddy. Nix likes those guys south of the Mason Dixon line, so uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he traded down, uh, picked up some picks, and then uh, drafted Cordy Glenn.
1: You know, we talked about Poe, who could be uh, someone drafted by uh, a playoff team. One of the teams drafting, you know, in in the uh, twenty-one to thirty-two range. Who are some other really good players that? could make these playoff teams that draft later in the first round even better next year?
0: Well, you know, that's the thing. You you know, when you're down there setting, waiting your turn to draft, uh, every year good players uh, drop and, uh, you know, Baltimore has been a big um, uh, recipient of those outstanding players that drop down. Pittsburgh has got, you know, picked up good players that have dropped down. New, New England could but they kind of always back out of the first round and and trade down in the second you know but uh but then the giants they're another one that's kind of right in that mix that they're going to benefit so uh you know i think that uh you know good football players uh um you know houston they're going to look for a big wide receiver you know everybody talks about Wright, who's really a good receiver but he's a lot like steve smith well steve smith was a third round draft choice and uh, you know, right uh, is probably gonna go in the second, so they like those big ones, so maybe a Stephen Hill would be down there for Houston. Uh they'll be in the playoffs I think for the second year. Um, you know, New England could get Mark Barron. He could possibly uh fall down there. He's gonna I tell you what, he's gonna be talked about from every pick from uh fourteen, probably right on through twenty seven, um, by teams. Just a matter who's gonna pull the trigger on him. But uh uh, so there's going to be Green Bay. They're going to pick up a good player, whether it's a, you know, an outside linebacker or a defensive end. Uh, we got Worthy going there right now, but uh, you know we've had different uh, guys, Kendall Reyes in there as a defensive end. Uh, but you know, as a pass rusher, uh, one of those pass rushers, say it for instance, a Nick Perry falls down there, or you know, uh, Andre Branch, somebody that could you know help out and push the. Push the plays over to uh, Clay Matthews. So, yeah, there, you know, there's a, a chance that there's going to be a good football player that you know is going to fall down there to those playoff teams. All
1: right, Football Nation presents the sportscasters finishing up here with Dan Shonka from Our Lads uh, Scouting Service. You can find him on Twitter. He is Our Lads underscore S H O N K A. Last thing, we'll let you go on this. Just curious, tell us a little bit about the rlads website and how it can be a resource for fans who are watching the draft at home
0: well i tell you one thing Stephen. that's uh g- great about our website we're always constantly putting information up there um for fans that that are in you know that are interested in the draft uh the depth charts uh actually when we we had subscription depth charts up until this year it's free for fans now Every NFL team subscribed to our depth charts. Now, uh, everyone, you know, every NFL team, they're the pro department, and they actually gave us some ideas on, uh, you know, you can actually run off all the team's depth charts by just hitting one button on there, and you can get all 32 teams. And that the pro departments at the different teams kind of gave us that idea because they run off these things every day to keep track uh, of you know, uh, who the, the transactions and things like that and the depth charts. And and uh, so every all 32 NFL teams use those. Um, you know, we've got, uh, of course, our mock drafts on there. Hey, there's a mock draft challenge on there that's really fun for the fans. It's free. They get on there. They can put their comments on, uh, you know, on each of their draft picks. They can pick one through seven uh, uh, rounds on there. We've got our combine rankings on the depth chart, which we – have a special formula that we rank the players uh athletically at the combine that that's there by every position. Of course, you know, we've got the NFL free agency tracker that's on there that's uh great for fans. Um and then we've got our different blogs we you know that we have uh uh right now on our our uh NFL football blog and scouting blog we've got the different seven round mock draft choices for uh, like uh, Houston and Indianapolis, Jacksonville, Minnesota, we put a different uh, division on every day so that's available and then uh, then we got our other blog that talks about a uh, draft rewind, the other players that are out there uh, that that we wrote up and uh, how we saw them before they start at the their current NFL team and we put the good you know the good, the bad and the ugly, because so, uh, hey, if we put some bad comments or we didn't really like them, they we put that in there too. So, but anyway, um, they can go to ourlads.com and uh, the fans got a lot of great things to uh, look at. Uh, uh, all the way, scroll all the way down. You got we got Mr. Irrevel, Irrelevant he is uh, the tradition of uh, yeah. Mr. Irrelevant, who's the pack, last guy picked. So, anyway, a lot of good stuff at ourlads.com. All right,
1: Dan, thank you so much for doing this. I know it's a busy time for you. We really, really appreciate it.
0: All right. Anytime, Stephen. So long now. Thank you.
1: All right. We have to thank our guest here today, Dan Shanka. Episode three of Football Nation presents the Sportscasters. Some interesting draft talk there for you. We'll probably do some more of the same on next week's show, being that we're going to be just Meeting about 48, options, uh, ways away, or 48 hours away from the draft. Yep. So maybe expect a little bit more of the same, but from a different perspective next week. Don't forget, you can email us at sportscasters at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your opinions. We'd love to get to a point where we can share some emails during this segment. Uh, here as we kind of fade out. Don't forget to follow us both on Twitter, at sports underscore casters and at fballnation.com. I want to mention our other podcast, the Sportscasters Nation uh, proper, as we call it, It has uh, season 2, episode 15. Uh, This week we have interviews with Buffalo Bills linebacker Kirk Morrison, uh, two guys, Bill Moushey and Bob Dvorak, who authored a book called Game Over, Jerry Sandusky, Penn State, and the Culture of Silence. And a little NHL playoff talk with Rob Pizzo of The Score in Toronto. You can find our podcast on www.sports-casters.com and you can find it on iTunes. Uh, before we go, just uh, real quick, this week on Football Nation, I read a really interesting article about Nick Toon, who is the son of Al Toon, and uh, he played his college football at Wisconsin, and he's a draft uh, draft prospect this, this year. And... Um, there's a little piece on him, and he's a potential third-round steal. And that was by Brad uh, Behrman, who's a contributor uh, for the site. So I enjoyed that. Anything you noticed, Don?
2: Well, yeah, we were talking a lot about the schedule release. They have plenty of articles there. So, if I mean, like we said, by the time this podcast comes out, your schedule is already going to be out. And I'm sure every single writer for all the teams is going to have something different. So if you want to vent about your schedule or see other people vent about the schedules, check that out. they got a cool article up there, too, right now about 10 current NFL players that are surefire Hall of Famers, and that's always a fun discussion. Uh, the two they mentioned in their teaser are the are Peyton Manning and Ray Lewis. So figure out who the other eight are and uh, go there, comment, decide if you disagree or if they missed anybody. You can let them know in the comments. But, yeah, always a lot of activity at Football Nation.
1: All right. Uh, thanks again for listening today. Colton Buffalo, let's go to California. With a woman of kind, smoke my stuff and drink.